Hello, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. It's Friday. Yep, it's almost the weekend and a very good evening to you. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Tonight's show will be taken up by the second last weekend of the English Premier League. But before we get to that, let's chat about some of the other major events that are and aren't taking place this weekend. Let's start with the one that should have but isn't, and that is the Emilia Romagno Formula One Grand Prix at the Imola Racetrack, otherwise known as the Enzo E. Dino Ferrari Circuit. The race was scheduled to be the sixth round of the season and the first this year in Europe. However, due to extreme weather conditions in the northern Italian region, the race has been cancelled. At least three people have died and thousands of people have been evacuated from their homes the devastating floods hit the Emilia-Romagna region. The transport minister, Matteo Salvini, had earlier called for the race to be postponed to concentrate efforts to cope with the emergency. But unfortunately, the decision has been taken that it's not possible to safely hold the event for fans, teams and personnel. And it's the right and reasonable thing to do, given the situation faced by the towns and cities in that region. It wouldn't be right to put further pressure on the local authorities and emergency services at this difficult time. And they also want to pay tribute to the work of the emergency services who are doing everything they can to help those people in need. The Formula One personnel were asked to leave the circuit on Tuesday amid fears of flooding as water levels rose in the Santerno River that runs alongside the track. And the paddock remained closed on Wednesday and then the river burst its banks. The decision has been taken not to proceed with this weekend's race. The cars were due to be on track today, but advanced teams and technical personnel had already arrived at the garages and the hospitality had been set up. The Grand Prix is the home race for Ferrari and was scheduled to be the first of a triple header for this season with Monaco next week and Spain the following week. Red Bull have won every race so far and double world champion Max Verstappen is 14 points clear of his teammate Sergio Perez, the Civil Protection Agency in Italy, issued a red alert warning for the region already on Monday as torrential rain, extensive flooding killed two people in the region. Now, the focus for the teams and Mercedes is at Monaco because they had hoped to introduce upgraded Formula One cars at Imola today, tomorrow and Sunday. But the cancellation of the race means that Lewis Hamilton and George Russell will have to wait until next week. Now, Monaco is also a very strange one because they practice on the Thursday. Then the street circuit becomes a road again. So a normal road for cars, you know, to drive in and around those Gucci and Hugo Boss and all those very fancy names and famous uh, brands that line the streets of Monaco, the Principality. And then on Saturday, those roads become a racetrack again, the qualifying on Saturday and the race on Sunday. So it's not as though the uh, teams are, I guess, they're unhappy about the race, but it gives them that little bit of extra time. I'm sure a lot of the teams have already moved from Italy to Monaco to start getting ready for that uh, magnificent Grand Prix, which is always the most boring. I mean, I say that with tongue-in-cheek. It's just nowhere can you overtake on that track. But... What's so nice about the track is the fact that at any given moment, those cars can hit the wall, and that obviously causes a lot of drama. So seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton, who hasn't won a race since the end of 2021, was particularly looking forward to Imola. However, Monaco is an old favorite of the British driver. 
Once dominant Mercedes decided they needed to go back to the drawing board with their 2023 car, they were only the fourth fastest team in the Bahrain season open after five races. They're third overall, 128 points behind Red Bull and Aston Martin. Can you believe it now? Aston Martin, of course, for those of you who, like I, are James Bond fans, and of course you always see the casino in Monaco in a James Bond movie, and of course uh, the Aston Martin DB9, or any Aston Martin, to be honest with you, is uh, James Bond's preferred car. So I'm sure the Aston Martins will be top of the town as they get to Monaco. So there you are. That's uh, the motor racing news. That's the event that was due to happen that is not going to take place this weekend. The one that is currently underway, and they've just started teeing off for day two of the PGA Championship. And uh, Eric Cole, who's still looking for a first career win, is at the top of the leaderboard after the early, the first round was ended early due to darkness and started late due to frost. He started on the back nine. He's a PGA Tour rookie, six birdies with a bogey reaching five under par with four holes to play. Former U.S. Open winner Bryson DeChambeau holds the overnight clubhouse lead with a four under 66. Now, lurking just behind uh, the Masters winners in world number two, Scotty Scheffler, Live Golf hopeful Dustin Johnson, and Canadian Corey Connors. So, very interesting indeed. From scores to temperatures, it was a day of highs and lows as the treacherous East Coast bared its teeth. Only 19 of the 156 players in the field getting under par. Very, very tri- tricky golf course there and uh, one in which many of the top players in the world will be happy to come away with a uh, good round. The rough, looking at it uh, last night, oh my goodness, it is so thick. It's thicker than the grass in my old house. Now, the uh, South African uh, contingent of Dean Burmeister and Christian Bezadnot are the best-placed South Africans. Both golfers caught a three-over past 73s. Thurston Lawrence shot a 5 over 75, and Oki Stradham battled to a 7 over 77. Throwaway news, and that is the fact that the last South African to win there was 1962, the magnificent Gary player, the Black Knight. He was the last South African to win that tournament. Of course, a couple of South Africans have won majors, but not this particular one. So uh, it doesn't look like South African is in the running for this year's tournament. But it's still early days, and uh, you can shoot 65 one day and 80 the next day on this particular golf course. Okay, big weekend in Europe as uh, La Rochelle, they look for a hat-trick, and uh, the uh, man in charge, uh, Franco Smith, he looks tippet for silverware. So star players who should feature in the Rugby World Cup will be taking centre stage the European finals in Dublin. But it's the coaching personnel that are dominating the discourse in the build-up to the Heineken Champions Cup and the EPCR Challenge Cup deciders. Next week, of course, in Cape Town, the centre of attention will be at the DHL Stadium, the Cape Town Stadium, where they host the Vodacom United Rugby Championship final between the Stormers and uh, the unlikely Munster. This weekend, though, all roads lead to Dublin. The Challenge Cup showdown between Toulon and Glasgow Warriors being an appetizing Friday night prelude to tomorrow's main event, featuring last week's losers, Leinster, against La Rochelle. Now, former Springbok utility back Franco Smith hasn't won anything yet, 
but he's already being offered the freedom of Glasgow for what he's done to transform his team into such an attacking force. It has certainly been a rags-to-riches rise for them this season. Under Smith, they put behind them last year's disappointing campaign, a massive 76-14 URC quarterfinal defeat at the hands of Leinster. But Smith needs his team to win after the disappointing exit from the URC quarterfinal stage at home to Munster, who they had comprehensively outplayed in Limerick in the latter stages of league play. However, it won't be easy against Toulon. They just have the X-factor of Springbok World Cup winner Cheston Colby to call on out wide, but also the excellent playmaking abilities of the British and Irish Lions fly-off Dan Bigger. He orchestrates matters from the fly-half position. And then there's La Rochelle coach Ronan O'Gara. You might remember his name, the former Irish and Munster fly-off. He was a talking point before last year's Champions Cup final in Marseille against the same opponents because of his perceived antipathy for Leinster, which apparently is what you'd expect from someone who played for so long for the arch-rival side. There was also a bit of history between O'Gara and last year's captain, Johnny Sexton. Now, the veteran Flaff isn't playing this time. He is injured. That hasn't blunted the focus on O'Gara and his determination to again get the better of Leinster. It's been speculated that O'Gara's presence at the helm of La Rochelle might attract fans who'd normally be Munster supporters. So, two very, very big games indeed. Heineken Champions Cup final. Leinster versus La Rochelle tomorrow evening at quarter to six. And then the game tonight at 9 o'clock, Toulon versus Glasgow Warriors. I think Toulon are going to be a little bit too strong for Glasgow Warriors. But then again, it's the underdogs that have come out victorious the last couple of weeks with regards to the Leinster game. I think that the loss against Munster might just gee them up a little bit. And I think they should run away with the game against La Rochelle. But uh, you know what? Don't take that to your bookmaker because I have been wrong before with the rugby this season, because it's been such a topsy-turvy, brilliant season of rugby to watch. So that's the two international club matches, if you like. Let's have a look then at the other fixtures from around the world. Remember, of course, at Twickenham, there's also the sevens going on at the moment. And uh, the Blitzbocker, oh dear, what a terrible performance they had last week. Let's not even talk about that. But there's still action tonight. The Western Province team are playing the Pumas in the Curry Cup. And then later on this evening, the Sharks take on the Cheetahs. And then, as I mentioned, the EPCR Championship Challenge Cup Glasgow Warriors against Toulon at 9 o'clock tonight. Tomorrow morning, 6.35, sees the Highlanders play the Rebels, the Chiefs play the Hurricanes, the Waratahs play the Fijians, and the Force play the Brumbies. Lots of Sevens rugby action again tomorrow, all through the day. And, of course, on Sunday, there's Curry Cup action tomorrow at lunchtime, 1 o'clock. The Griffins play the Griquas. Lions play the Bulls. Big game, that always at Ellis Park. And then in the first division, the Cavaliers play the Eagles. The Falker play the Elephants. Simba is 15, play the Goshawks from Zimbabwe. The Bulldogs play Clement Rhinos. And then tomorrow night, quarter to six, all eyes will be on the Champions Cup. Leinster against La Rochelle. Look forward to that one should be an absolutely fantastic game. Now, let's just talk very briefly. We will fully preview uh, the game next week at Cape Town Stadium. I just want you to know something, just to really get you, um, maybe be a bit jealous of me. Um, three hours it took, exactly three hours, 180 minutes, and the Cape Town Stadium's 55,000 seats were sold out. It promises to be a spectacular, Spectacle at the Cape Town Stadium next Saturday evening 
at Hopper 6 when Munster will arrive in Cape Town. I'm sure they'll arrive long before then. Um, hopefully they don't arrive, as in, like, I mean, they're going to be here, but hopefully they leave their game behind as a Stormers supporter. They take on the Stormers. You can be guaranteed of a atmosphere similar to any other major sporting event anywhere in the world, from World Cup rugby finals to soccer World Cup finals, because the atmosphere, the flags, the crowd, it's going to be epic. As I say, 55,000 tickets sold out in three hours. I got one. I got one. <laughs> so there you are. So I'll be able to give you on Monday of next week, or Monday a week, a bird's eye view of what it was like being in the stadium, what the atmosphere was like, and hopefully my Stormers flag will be flying high and not wrapped around its bamboo pole and hidden away as I leave the stadium next weekend. Okay, on a serious note, I know I shouldn't be biased. I should be completely unbiased, but I'm going to go to the rugby. I'm going to go to the rugby. Sorry for you if you don't live in the Cape. Okay, so tennis news, the big, big news um, of the week. Unfortunately for tennis fans, Rafael Nadal is out of the French Open. That's unfortunate for tennis fans. And I'm sure there are a lot of tennis players with a big smile on their face, especially those that might have been in the same half of the draw as the 14-time Roland Garros champion. He has added, though, that 2024 will be the final year of his career. He has dominated the clay court season for years. He's competed at Roland Garros every year, claiming the first of his men's joint record 22 major titles in Paris in 2005. I'm sure there are people listening to us who weren't even born in 2005. He says he looks to be 100% ready for next year, which he believes will be the last year of his professional career. He is now 36 years old. He says the evolution of the injury he sustained in Australia has not gone as he would have liked. He has lots of goals along the way, but Roland Garros has become impossible. Nadal said he needs to stop playing for the foreseeable future to make a full recovery and return for what he anticipates will be his farewell season. The French organizers tweeted on Twitter, can't imagine how hard the decision was. They will definitely miss you at this year's Roland Garros. Take care of yourself to come back stronger on court, hoping to see you next year in Paris. Now, I'm not too sure whether the most disappointed person of all is the engraver of that trophy, because he's so used to engraving the name Rafael Nadal that now he's going to have to find another way of, of engraving or another name to engrave on that title. Who will it be? I'll tell you who it won't be. It won't be Nick Kyrgios because Nick Kyrgios is also out, not because of a injury he sustained while playing tennis or while practicing, but an injury he sustained while chasing a robber who attempted to steal his mother's car at gunpoint. Now, let's be perfectly honest. There are one or two tennis players on the tennis circuit who, let's just put it this way, lose their temper quite regularly. And Nick Kyrgios, the Australian, is definitely one of them. So why on earth would a robber want to take on a guy who is about six foot six in the shade, extremely strong and fit, and has a serious temper? Well, anyway, he did that. He chased the robber off, but he has unfortunately injured himself. He won't be there. So we spoke to uh, Christopher Rensberg a week or so ago. There are a couple of big names, including Novak Djokovic, who will be looking to take over the crown and the mantle of uh, the great Rafael Nadal. Okay, let's move on to the Premier League and talk about the Premier League for the weekend. 
Uh, and not only, uh, in fact, you know what, before we get to the Premier League, let me just very briefly chat to you about um, another series of events that um, will take place here in South Africa. You know, we talk about the big uh, tournaments being um, being sold out. The other one that's also on the cards to look like it might be is the NetBank Cup final, also next Saturday between Orlando Pirates and Sukukuna United. That is a match between two sides, one obviously very, very well known in South Africa and around the world. The other one, a relatively new team in the uh, world of football here in South Africa. We'll obviously touch on that one next week. Right, let's uh, move our attention now to the Premier League. And hmm, what can we expect this weekend, you might be wondering. Well, I can tell you what we can expect this weekend. We can expect a lot to be settled, certainly at the top of the table, because a win for Manchester City in their game on Sunday against Chelsea gives them the Premier League title for the successive years. And as you can hear in my voice, not my neighbours, not the noisy neighbours, Noisy neighbours Manchester City are now becoming the dominant neighbours, unfortunately, in Manchester. Big game against Chelsea. They are at home in front of their home crowd. And to be honest with you, they might actually have won the title before they even go onto the field by virtue of the fact that if Arsenal don't win their game, um, which is going to be a tough one because they're playing Nottingham Forest at Forest, the city ground. Forest in desperate need of at least a point. Three points would be magnificent, but at least a point. So if Arsenal don't win that game, City will run onto the field as champions on Sunday afternoon against Chelsea. So big game there. Let's go through the games for you. Game of very little consequence. Spurs against Brentford. Unfortunately for Spurs, their run came to an abrupt end about six or seven games ago. They were at that stage in contention for a Champions League spot, but everything went pear-shaped, lost their manager, blah, 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 as you all know. So Spurs fans, next year, maybe. Who knows? Against Brentford, team that have been pretty good uh, so far this year. Very happy they'll be in the Premier League next year. Very little to play for. Now, Liverpool, on the other hand, are at home to Aston Villa at the 4 o'clock kickoff tomorrow afternoon. Everything's still to play for for Liverpool. There is the outside chance with a couple of games to go for them, two games to go, that if either Newcastle United or Manchester United slip up, they could, by some miracle, end up in the top four. Then the London derby, also at four o'clock, is Fulham against Crystal Palace. Two sides that will be very, very happy with how things have gone, especially Crystal Palace since Roy Hodgson came back. Unbelievable. That man has just got such an influence over that Crystal Palace side. Since he came back, they've done brilliantly. They're out of relegation. They're happily placed in the middle of the table against the Fulham side. That will be very happy with how their season has gone. Then Wolverhampton Wanderers, who are still... Round about the bottom of the table against, oh my goodness, struggling Everton. Will Everton go down for the first time? Who knows? It'll all come to play tomorrow. Then Bournemouth against Manchester United. Might be a little bit of a tricky away game for Manchester United, although Bournemouth struggling at the moment. And then, as I mentioned, the Nottingham Forest against Arsenal game. Well, Nottingham Forest are going to have to win that one. They really have no choice. And a win for them, I, I would almost say for certain, will guarantee their survival in the Premier League. And then on Sunday, two sides also that West Ham are kind of out of it now, but Leeds United will be going all out for a victory in their game at Hoppers 2 on Sunday afternoon. And Southampton travel away to Brighton, nothing to play for. They are relegated. They're out of the Premier League for next season. The Saints will not be happy about that. 
And then, as I mentioned, at 5 o'clock, Manchester City against Chelsea. That game could be a title celebration in more ways than one. It might be when they come onto the field. It definitely will be if they beat Chelsea. All they require is three points to be mathematically champions for the season. And then two sides that need to still play on Monday evening, Newcastle against Leicester, which is a very important game for Newcastle, bearing in mind, of course, that they are in that fight for third and fourth place, and maybe even fifth place, depends on the other results. They play it on Monday night. Tuesday night, Brighton play Manchester City. Manchester City, I guess, will be champions by then. And then a huge game for Manchester United. That's their catch-up game. On Thursday evening, they play Chelsea, and then all the games next weekend at exactly the same time, so there can be no shenanigans on Sunday. Just to let you know, the teams that are vying for the places at the top of the table, you've got to feel sorry for Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea um, play Manchester City on Sunday. They play Manchester United on Thursday. And then they have to go and play Newcastle on Sunday next week. So it could be three wins, three losses, who knows? And they are, in one way or another, involved in significant matches in first, third, and fourth on the Premier League table. Those matches, I say, all next Sunday. Let's just quickly tell you the teams that are, of course, in contention for that third and fourth place. Uh, Manchester United will be at home to Fulham. Chelsea will be at home to Newcastle. Liverpool have the easiest of all their away, but to the already relegated Southampton. So it could be a crackerjack weekend next weekend. Let's just look at the Premier League table before we leave you for tonight. The table looks like this as far as the Premier League is concerned. Obviously, top of that table is Manchester City. Um, They are the team that, as I mentioned, are about to be crowned champions. Um, They will win the title if they win their game on the weekend. Uh, Manchester City, one, two, three, four, five. The last five, they've won five. The 35 matches, 85 points. They still have three games to play. Arsenal have played 36 games. They have 81 points. Newcastle, 69 from 36. Manchester United, 66 from 35. So if Manchester United win their game against either the two teams that they're playing this weekend or in midweek, they will move up to the same number of points as Newcastle. Newcastle do have a much better goal difference than Manchester United do. And then one point behind, but with a game extra, is Liverpool on 65 points. So that's the top five. Most probably it'll end in the positions that they're in right now. Man City, Arsenal, Newcastle, Man United. And there is the outside chance of Liverpool. Bottom of the table, whoa. Already relegated, Southampton. Game, set, match. They are done and dusted. Leicester City, well, they are one point behind Leeds United, who are one point behind Everton, who are two points behind Nottingham Forest. So let's just go through it. Nottingham Forest, two games to play, 34 points, a minus 31 goal difference, which is the worst of those three teams below them. Everton, two points behind. Uh, They've played 36 games. They have 32 points. All these teams, two games to go. Leeds United, 36 games, 31 points. Leicester City, 36 games, 30 points. So if Leeds were to win, Leicester were to lose, Leicester would be relegated this weekend. If Leeds were to lose, Everton were to win, Nottingham Forest were to lose, Everton would be safe. 
going into the last round of matches. So a lot can happen at the bottom of the table with regards to qualification for next season. One, two, three, four, get into the Champions League. And then it's the teams that go into the Europa League group stages. Liverpool in fifth place, they would automatically qualify for that one. If, in fact, they ended in that fifth place, if they ended fourth or third, of course, then they would go into the Champions League. Big matches, big weekend, lots to look forward to. We'll bring you a review of all of that when we chat on Monday evening. As usual, have a fantastic sporting weekend. Be nice to each other. Until next time, bye for now.